Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Have you caught a dose of FCS fever? Welcome to the FCS Fever Podcast, a part of the Aaron Torres Media Feed. Now, here's your host of the FCS Fever Podcast, Jeff Colhane. All right, here we go. Another big weekend of college football upcoming. I'm fired up. I know you are as well. Ready to catch a little bit of the FCS fever. Welcome in, everybody. My name is Jeff Colhane, and great to have you a part of our second episode of the FCS Fever podcast, a part of the Aaron Torres media feed. What we got going on here in this weekend's edition, we'll obviously going to preview all of the game action around the FCS in college football. FCS versus FBS matchups, there are a plenty. Are we going to see six wins again? Never say never. I would imagine, though, after week number one, the big boys, their attention is right there, and the antennas are up after seeing what happened from FCS teams taking down FBS foes. We'll run through some of those. Who was a shot? Who was a chance to put their program on a higher platform by going on the road and shocking a quote-unquote bigger school, bigger program? We'll discuss that coming up on the the show here this afternoon. And today, also realignment. That world continues to move around as the Big 12 is moving towards adding Four new members, BYU, three members out of the American, Cincinnati, Central Florida, Houston as well. We'll check in on that. What does that mean for everyone around the FCS? The dominoes continue to fall, and of course, the trickle-down effect in the world of college football realignment. Yes, it could affect the upper echelons of our division. We'll dive into that. There's one ranked matchup between FCS foes here this weekend. You've got Central Arkansas and Missouri State. Interesting game. Central Arkansas in that new WAC AQ7 conference. Missouri State in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Bobby Petrino in year number two. The Bears went down to Stillwater and nearly pulled off the upset of Mike Gundy and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Fun matchup. Their play-by-play man, Justin Acre, will join me on the podcast to talk about it coming up a little bit later on as well. But I wanted to look back uh, for a quick second again at what was accomplished last weekend with the FCS wins over FBS foes. Talking with Aaron Torres, he was discussing with me how those wins, even this early in the season, how do they factor in to the playoff picture, to the postseason race? If you don't know, FCS fans, certainly you do. Fans of bigger schools may not know. 
That's right. A real postseason is played at our level, ladies and gentlemen. A 2014 playoff that lets you decide who is the best team on the field. A novel approach, right? An amazing idea. And while it's not a true bracket or or true setup, 1 through 24 with the seeding, more on that when we get later on in the season, it is a bracket. It is playoffs. You do play your way to a championship game and settle it on the field. Power 5, FBS, take notice. It's been going on at this level for quite some time. But how do the wins by, I think, specifically Montana and South Dakota State affect their standing overall down the road? Well, I think both of these teams are going to be great. I think both Montana and SDSU with what they did last weekend showed us, gave us a little bit of foreshadowing into the future. South Dakota State, we knew, very, very good coming off a runner-up finish in the spring, 15 seconds away from their first-ever national championship. They're thinking national championship in the offseason for the first time ever, and they looked the part last Friday at Colorado State, winning 42-23. to Pierre Strong's an NFL back. Chris Oladokun looked great in his first career start at South Dakota State University, we knew they had a little bit of mojo. We weren't sure about Montana. We knew Bobby Houck had his program on the upswing, but I don't think anyone expected a win over a ranked Power 5 foe. That, that was not the case from my perspective, obviously. But Montana did that. They got it done. What's it all mean for the playoff picture? Well, I don't think either of these schools are going to be skimping their way into the postseason. If that's the case, both will get in if they fall apart and they're a 6-5 and five team with a you know an FBS win. They're for sure in, no matter what their resume looks like, at 6-5, and five, in my opinion. I think for both of these teams, these wins could be magnified when you look at how the seeding shakes out down the road. Top eight seeds, could these wins help erase a loss in the middle of the regular season and provide both SDSU and Montana hope of a top two seed even with one loss. I think it's an interesting concept to look at. You know, obviously, you have to look around and see what everybody else is doing. Sam Houston looked the part as a number one seeded team or a number one team in the country with their win at Northern Arizona. North Dakota State will obviously have something to say. Uh, James Madison, who is banged up right now, if you look at the injury report, the Dukes will have something to say, uh, certainly, as well. So there's a number of teams in the mix here that are going to throw their hat in as the best in the FCS when we get to playoff time later in the year. But uh, I think the wins by Montana and SDSU, if you see a slip-up during the year in conference play by either of those teams against a quality-like opponent in the Big Sky or the Missouri Valley Football Conference, it will be intriguing to see how the committee weighs the FBS wins early on in the season, specifically for Montana. I don't know how Washington's going to finish. Man, the Pac-12 looked dreadful outside of UCLA with their win over LSU at the Rose Bowl last weekend. But for Montana, a 10-1 and finish with one loss in the big sky coupled with that win over number 20 Washington at the time at Husky Stadium in Seattle to start the year. Folks, I'm telling you, you could see that win Factor in and helping Montana leapfrog another one-loss team for a top-two seed. Heck, maybe even an undefeated team. You never know how the committee is going to shake out. So that's where a win like that for Montana, if the Grizz can continue, 
moving things in the right direction. I feel like their schedule sets up well for them. Cam Humphrey, their quarterback, can he take steps in the right direction? Because we know their defense is very, very good in Missoula. That win over Washington could really be a benefactor down the stretch. If they do slip up once, who knows, maybe even twice for a top two seed, maybe even a top eight seed as well for a better path through the postseason. All right, now let's take a look. FCS versus FBS. And, you know, it's it's always a crapshoot to a certain degree. I think for us here that know South Dakota State, we thought they had a tremendous chance to go into Fort Collins and win. I don't think we were expecting them to win the way they did. That's really a tip of the cap to John Stigelmeyer into South Dakota State. But some matchups around college football this weekend, potentially where you could see the FCS inject a little FCS fever into the bigger schools. I'm going to start on Friday night, and look, Bison fans, uh, I hear you, but the boys up north, the University of North Dakota going to Utah State, heads up in that contest. UND gets a win on the road at Idaho State. I realize Utah State won at Washington State last weekend. UND has some quality skill players. Defensively, they've got some solid pieces. Can they hold up in the trenches? We all know the recipe for an FCS win over an FBS foe. You got to get off to a great start. You got to get some turnovers. You have to have a little bit of luck as well. And certainly you have to convert on third down to move the chains. UND has got pieces in place led by Otis Wea, Tommy Schuster, Garrett Mogg. Utah State was not expected to be a world beater in the Mountain West this season. Start on Friday night, potentially another Missouri Valley football conference foe knocking off a Mountain West team. Keep your eyes out for that one. I don't know necessarily if Illinois State's going to get the win at Western Michigan and Kalamazoo this weekend, but... I'm a big Brock Spack fan. I know the Redbirds, they got a little sideways in the springtime with how they handled things. They ticked some of their players off. They thought that was the best route to take. If you remember, Brock Spack was upset with Bobby Petrino in Missouri State. They were supposed to play the opening weekend in Missouri State. Didn't want to play because the field wasn't ready. And then there was pictures of the soccer team practicing on Plaster Stadium, which led Brock Spack's anyone, anywhere, anytime social media video that they sent out. Well, then they wrap things up after four games. Wasn't a great look. But I'm a Brock's back guy. I think he's a heck of a coach, heck of a football guy. And with the win over Western Michigan, Brock's back would be the all-time winningest coach in Illinois State football history. Again, I don't think it's going to happen this weekend in Kalamazoo. Western Michigan led by Tim Lester, even though they got stomped at Michigan last weekend coming home. Uh, they've got some pretty good pieces there with uh, with what their uh, the Broncos have and their and their program has coming back this season. It would be an impressive win and a, a record-breaking win for Brock Spack. I don't know if I see it happening, though. I think if Kansas State's head coach was anybody else other than Chris Kleiman, I'd feel better about Southern Illinois going into Manhattan and beating Kansas State. But because Chris Kleiman coached in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, won multiple national championships while he was here at NDSU, trust me, and the majority of his staff came from Fargo with him to Manhattan, Chris Kleiman will have Kansas State ready to go 
and they won't need any sort of of reminder of what Southern Illinois is capable of and what an FCS over FBS win would mean in the grand scheme of things with their fan base. Remember, Kansas State got beat at home in the opener last year during the COVID season by Arkansas State, a decent Arkansas State team. But if you're Kansas State and their fans, that's not one you're expecting to lose. K-State beat Stanford last weekend 24-7 down at Jerry World in Arlington, Texas. They play a Southern Illinois team that's a top 10 uh, program in the FCS. Uh, Led by their head coach, Nick Hill, he made the right choice going with quarterback Nick Baker, who's a tremendous passer. Javon Williams Jr. is one of the most versatile players in all of college football. A tremendous talent. They line up all over the field. He's done some Wildcat stuff. I know they're trying to get away from that. And they've got 16 sixth-year seniors on this roster as well that help them and contribute to their success. Southern Illinois is a very, very good football team, but I have a feeling Chris Kleiman, with his FCS roots and Missouri Valley Football Conference ties, a former player and defensive back at Northern Iowa, he's going to have K-State ready to go with Southern Illinois coming to town. And a fun storyline in an FCS versus FBS game this weekend that has received some coverage, I'm sure plenty locally, down in the bayou. McNeese is at LSU at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge this weekend. LSU licking their wounds after the beatdown they took from UCLA. But McNeese, their quarterback, Cody Orgeron. Name obviously sounds very familiar. He's the son of LSU head coach Ed Orgeron. So that's got to be a fun family connection throughout the entire weekend. I'm sure the most nervous person in the stands will be uh, will be Ed's wife and Cody's mother watching this game on Saturday night in Death Valley at Tiger Stadium. But McNeese won't win this game at LSU. The Tigers are going to be fighting mad, but that is a fun topic and a fun storyline to follow. Ed Orgeron, the head coach at LSU, coaching against his son, Cody Orgeron, the quarterback for McNeese. Well, one of the big games and could be considered the biggest game with FCS versus FCS opponent. Two ranked teams going head-to-head at Plaster Stadium in Springfield, Missouri, Saturday night. You've got Central Arkansas taking on Missouri State. And these two squads are by no means strangers to one another after playing each other twice in the fall of 2020. Justin Acre, kind enough to give us some time, the play-by-play man for the Bears of Central Arkansas. Justin, great to have you back with us on the show. Uh, do you have to actually uh, change your charts at all from, from last fall to get ready and prepare for this game as well as you know these, uh, these Bears coming in? Yeah, not a lot, honestly, because uh, fortunately they were able to get a lot of super seniors brought back this year, and so that's critical to their potential success, I think. And it was kind of funny on Coach's show, you know, through the season last year, we sort of started working on some of these seniors that he thought were critical to coming back. And there were a couple of guys, I'll be honest, I thought were real long shots to come back this year. And fortunately, they made a decision to return the team, and they're going to play critical roles this year. Yeah, no no doubt, as the, the COVID year has made roster management interesting for everyone involved. Let's talk Central Arkansas. Went to Arkansas State, got going early with the bang. Braylon Smith with a long touchdown pass. Uh, I know uh, Coach Brown would have liked to have seen maybe his defense hang in there a little bit longer in the second half of play overall uh, in, uh, in Jonesboro of that game. Give me your, your takeaway from Central Arkansas's first contest last weekend. Well, I think Arkansas State's really good, and I think that was a big part of it. I think it said a lot about what's going on with Butch Jones and that that uh, roster he's got up there. His he got a ton of transfers. I think it's 22 total that have come in. A couple of guys from Tennessee, his best receiver on the field that day. 
Uh, well, I guess it was really a second-best receiver on the field that day was a TCU transfer. Um, but they've just got a ton of talent back. So I think it said a lot about them. I wasn't too discouraged about what I saw from Central Arkansas. As you mentioned, they held their own. They led at the half, 7-6. I think the defense is going to be really good. You know, you lose an NFL draft pick in Robert Rochelle, but I think this team generally is going to be really good on that, especially on the back end. Oddly enough, you lose a guy to the NFL from defensive back position. I feel like the back end may be the best part of the defense. But the line, you know, uh, provided some pressure. And you got a Florida State transfer quarterback, for at least that's who they started with. And they put a lot of pressure on him, sacked him a few times. And so I like what I saw on that side. And offensively, I'm not worried at all. I mean, again, you get the whole offensive line back, a lot of competition in camp. You get, you know, a good two deep. You got the best one-two punch, I think, at the wide receiver position in the country. And they had some younger guys step up. Christian Richmond is a sophomore who they have loved. He suffered an injury last year, unfortunately. He scored that first touchdown, and he also was critical in the kick return game. He's got great speed. And they really like what they're getting from him. And so I think some other guys hopefully can contribute. The run game continues to be an issue going back a few years. They're going to have to figure some things out. They're trying to do a little more of a zone blocking scheme and try to run a little bit uh, more maybe to the outside. They try to run a little too much downhill, and their line is not really built for that necessarily. But they're pretty athletic. They move pretty well. And so they're trying to do a little more of a, a zone thing, some stretch plays, things like that. Young running backs. You know, and we'll have to see how that plays out through the season. That's still the big question mark for this team. I'm with you on Tyler Hudson and Lawan Winningham. When you guys were in Fargo for NDSU's one game in the fall of 2020, knew those guys were going to be good. They definitely were, and they stood out. For folks that have not seen them play, give them a bit of a scatter report on those two, as you said, two of the best at wide receiver in the FCS. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Jeff, I'm biased, but, I mean, these guys are ridiculous, and every week they make ridiculous plays. So I'll just give you one example from last week against Arkansas State. Tyler Hudson slipped on a play. He was probably 15 yards downfield on a sideline route, and he's basically laying on the turf, and he caught the ball. I mean, who does that? <laughs> and another play later in the game, Lamont Winningham's down the sideline. He's got a guy holding onto his arm. He's twisted around backwards, so he's running down the left sideline. He's twisted around, turns back over his left shoulder. The guy is holding onto his uh, left arm, and see, so he just catches it with his right arm 20 yards downfield. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah, it's just it's the highlight reel stuff, but they do all the little things well, and that's how you get to where they've been. I mean, you know, they're both potentially thousand yard receivers. I think they're both NFL talents. You know, Winningham had a, a significant injury, uh, but was able to come back at the end of the year two years ago, and you know, it's just uh, it's just such a treat. Honestly, I'm surprised they stayed with the the fluidity of roster movement anymore and how easy it is to go from school to school i i will tell you privately i guess everybody's listening though right uh there there are some schools that reached out some through third parties some not quite so incognito to yeah. these guys tyler hudson could play for any team in america and I, you name a team it doesn't matter he could play for anybody in america and i'd say the same for luan they got good size they run great routes i mean they're not the fastest guys in the world they're, they're not even the fastest receivers on this team but they're just great at everything, and they could help any team, and they certainly have been a huge help to UCA. Justin Aker is with us, Central Arkansas's play-by-play man. Big game, FCS versus FCS ranked teams at Missouri State this weekend. Before we get to your thoughts on the Bears and what it's going to take and, and what the, the implications could be potentially down the road, Central Arkansas, along with others, is in this new WAC AQ7 league this season and moving forward, Justin. You don't know yet, so I don't know if you have a whole lot of a, a sense of what it, what it means and, and what the league's going to be all about, but what can you tell us right now about how you think this thing could look? Um, I think it's really good. I think somebody should have worked a little harder on the nomenclature. Calling it the yeah. AQ7 yeah. isn't real catchy, um, but it's a little clunky. 
but look, it's a really good collection of teams, you know, so it's, and it was a good stopgap for, for a year and they'll expand next year, of course. And, and so will the whack. And so everybody will be just fine and dandy, move on about their business. But look at the schedule that Central Arkansas has got assembled here. I mean, there are a couple of games that they'll be pretty heavily favored in, I would think. But, you know, you play a team like Jacksonville State, a perennial playoff team. And, of course, they kind of laid an egg against a really good UAB team in the opener. But, you know, you get the defending national champions in Sam Houston State. I mean, there's that to me, it's riddled with tough games all along. And this week, no, you know, no different. Missouri State out of conference, a team that went 5-1 in the spring. And, you know, by Petrino, despite this weirdest thing, like despite not having great quarterback plays, is finding a way to win games. And uh, I just think the schedule is really tough. And I, I think it'll be fun to see it play out. It'd be nice to kind of have a farewell to some of these Texas schools. I'm not going to miss Sam Houston, although I, I obviously get up for you know, those games as well, and I'm sure the guys will this season also. I've heard Dr. Brad Teague talk about Central Arkansas's AD, FBS, down the road for UCA. How, how, how much attention do you think is being paid to what's going on in realignment at the Power 5 level and the trickle-down effect right now? Yeah, I think, look, I don't think there's any secret that they want to move up. I mean, it's great being a team that's nationally ranked pretty much year in and year out at the FCS level, but I don't think they've made any secret of the fact that they'd like to be an FBS team at some point. And, you know, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the steps are to get there. But, I mean, I think they feel like in a pretty short amount of time they could compete. I mean, look, their transition from Division Two to FCS was about as smooth as you could possibly imagine. I mean, they're winning a basically a conference title, although they technically couldn't claim it in their mm-hmm. first season when they moved up. So, you know, obviously that gives them some hope, I would assume, to move up to the FBS level and have that go uh, pretty well also. And there's a couple of leagues that are regional that make sense, I would think. Um, they're going to have to do some work to facilities and things of that nature, but uh, that's ultimately the long-term goal, I think. I don't think that's any big secret. All right, Justin, give me your take on this game Saturday, what it's going to take to win for the Bears with a, you know, a Missouri State team that was – a much different team, I think, when you saw them last fall. They've certainly improved, obviously. And, and do you think it has implications potentially on the postseason down the road? That's a good question. I mean, Central Arkansas obviously would like to put a win on, uh, you know, on the left side of the ledger. There, you know, put a put a good one on a remarkable left side. So, I think it's a big game for them for sure. And you know, look, Missouri State has everything you need. You saw them give uh, Oklahoma State all they wanted in Week One in a. 23-16 loss, so I mean, I've got great concerns. Central Arkansas, frankly, was fortunate to escape with victories both times last year. Both were come from behind victories. And like I said, too, what's crazy is this is a Missouri State team under Bob Petrino, a guy who's always hung his hat on quarterback play, receiver play, and they're running the ball well, and they're playing great defense, and that's how they're winning games right now. So when Jason Shelley, if he figures it out and, and settles in and starts doing some good things, uh, not that he was bad last week at, at Oklahoma State by any means at over 230 yards, but uh, yeah, they're going to be a tough out, man. And and uh, you know, again, they'll be battle tested by the end of the year playing in the Missouri Valley. So yeah, I have some uh, I have some concerns this week for sure. They've got a really you know big offensive or defensive line rather. I think they'll get over our offensive line some trouble. They've got a DN that's six four two forty four, and then Eric Johnson, their D tackle six five three hundred pounds. I mean, don't see a lot of guys like that in uh, in the league that we play in. So. Um, it, you know, I think it'll be a great challenge. I think it'll be a heck of a ball game, and if they can get out of there with a win, I think they're going to feel really good about it. FCS versus FCS ranked game in Springfield, Missouri this weekend, Plaster Stadium. Justin Ankry, Central Arkansas's play-by-play man with us on the program. Justin, I always appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, and have a good one Saturday night. Hey, you bet. Thank you so much.
All right, big thanks. Justin Acree, the radio play-by-play voice of the Central Arkansas Bears. That's a big game, non-conference foes, two ranked teams going head-to-head in the FCS. Certainly could have postseason implications depending on who wins that contest. A few more thoughts before we wrap things up on this edition of the FCS Fever Podcast. Some other games going on, FCS versus FCS to watch. How about a non-conference matchup? Early in the season, Northern Iowa, Mark Farley and the Panthers put a ton always into the Iowa State and Iowa games. They have a big-time trip out to Sacramento State this weekend. Sac State hung on against Dixie State in week number one, and they're coming off of 2019 where they earned a share of the Big Sky Conference Championship. Some people still wondering how good Sacramento State is with not playing in the last two years. It's a big game for Northern Iowa. They lose this one. They are behind the eight ball heading into Missouri Valley Football Conference play and would certainly have to rally in league action, although the Panthers have been known to be used to doing that before. How about in the CAA? Towson is at New Hampshire. Two programs that won their first games of the season, both 1-0 right now. The CAA, we're seeing some Week 1 conference matchups, some Week 2 conference matchups. Maine uh, is at uh, JMU as well this weekend in CAA play. It's an early season conference game between uh, the Tigers and the Wildcats that I think a lot of people along the East Coast are going to be locked into. And an exciting game in the HBCUs. How about at Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium, 6 p.m. Central Time, Saturday night, the Southern Heritage Classic. Perhaps the two most famous head coaches in all of FCS college football. You've got Eddie George in Tennessee State taking on Coach Prime, Deion Sanders in Jackson State. That'll be a fun game to follow Saturday night. The Southern Heritage Classic in Memphis, 6 p.m. kickoff between Tennessee State and Jackson State. Well, quick note, was happy to see College Game Day in Atlanta in Week 0 celebrating the history and the traditions of the HBCUs and North Carolina Central. Tip the cap to the Eagles. They get a uh, an impressive win over Alcorn State a couple of weeks ago. Big win for NC Central. That's going to do it for us. Before I say goodbye, Saturday will be an emotional day for so many. The 20th anniversary of 9-11. Never forget the heroes of 9-11 and the people that paid the ultimate sacrifice. We are forever indebted to those that lost their lives lives and to the families that have to relive the memories of that tragic day uh, around our country. Again, never forget the heroes of 9-11. I am uh, positive you are going to see uh, college football remember those the way that they should be remembered. All right. Thanks for listening in. Another edition of the FCS Fever Podcast. I'll be back on Monday to recap what is sure to be an exciting weekend around the country of college football. Thanks for tuning in. Again, subscribe, follow, like, comment, the entire deal. Apple, iTunes, Spotify, you can find us there. Thanks for being a part of the FCS Fever Podcast. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.